0: Hello, it's Shelley F Knight, bring you positive changes a self-kick podcast. joined by Eric K. Johnson, and he's a nationally recognized talent coach, an on-air personality and radio program director, as well as being a podcast host of Podcast Talent Coach. So welcome to Eric.
1: Shelley, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have a chat today.
0: Bless you. Thank you so much for joining us because I know you're a bit of a podcast guru, so I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no need to be nervous. We're just going to have a good time.
0: Bless you. So please, Eric, do share with us your one inspiring story of positive change.
1: Well, you know, I've always been a big believer, Shelley, in uh, doing what you love. And if you're in a job or in a career that you don't love, uh, go find something else to do. You need to really have a passion for what you do. When I was growing up, uh, I wanted to be an architect. Uh, When I was 11, I uh, I started taking drafting classes in middle school and decided that's what my career was going to be. And uh, I ended up carrying that through high school. I I got my first drafting job when I was in high school on my way to being an architect. I went to the University of Nebraska to uh, get my architecture degree. And I was about three years into that degree and realized that uh, architecture wasn't my passion anymore. I was falling out of love with it. It didn't have the romance. It was moving from being that uh, that pencil and paper into being very computerized and very cold and uh it just lost the romance and at that time i fell in love with radio uh and just everything that radio brought with it all of the music uh all of the ability to entertain it was so magical and uh so i started uh Taking some radio classes. I needed some electives in my architecture degree. So I took uh, radio for the non major. I ended up getting a part time job at a radio station completely by accident. My brother worked there and they needed some help on the weekend uh, just running the equipment. And I thought, I'm a college kid, I could use some extra college money. (laughs) So I took a job uh, just helping out at the radio station, really started becoming fascinated with that. the, the class I was taking, Radio for the Non-Major, really started to become interesting. That led to me being the music director of the campus radio station, even though I was an architecture major. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I continued to fall out of love with um, with architecture and decided, you know what, uh, I'm going to pull the ripcord on the parachute and take the leap and go into into radio as my full-time career. Now my first full-time job in radio, I was making $12,000 a year. Now you gotta understand the part-time job I had as a draftsman in high school, I was making more than that in high school as a draftsman than I was my first full-time job in radio. So my parents thought I was absolutely crazy uh, getting into radio (laughs) when I'm spending all this money on an architecture degree. So I finished up the architecture degree and I just stayed in radio and my parents kept sending me job opening uh, ads, like uh, help wanted ads for draftsmen and architects uh, while I was (laughs) in radio. And that didn't stop until I actually became a manager at a radio station and finally they thought, okay, all right, maybe this is for real. Maybe this this gig's uh, for real. And so I've been doing it for 30 years and I've absolutely loved every minute of it. I've got to meet some really fascinating people I've got, to, uh, I've got to talk to superstars and I've got to talk to musicians who were just starting out trying to cut their teeth driving around the country in a van, uh, just trying to make it. And it's been an absolute joy and it would have never happened had I not had the courage to, to follow my dream and do what I love.
0: I love that. And I'm very passionate. you like me, like do what you love. And it's something that I live by. And I love that, but I also totally relate to the generational gap where they think you need to get a proper job, you know, like I've gone from nursing to writing and they're like, that's nice dear, but when are you going to go back to your proper job? Which was interesting for me
1: because my family is full of entrepreneurs. All of my, my dad owned a gas station. My mom, uh, she baked cakes out of our kitchen and sold them, you know, uh, as a side hustle. Uh, my aunt ran a craft store. My uncle had a jewelry store. My other aunt owned a restaurant. Like my whole family is entrepreneurs. But when I showed the, the desire to follow my dreams, they all thought I was crazy, which was really kind of odd.
0: Oh, bless you. <laughs> so when you kind of, as you said, lost the romance of architecture, was it because it wasn't so much of a creative process all gone digital? What happened there?
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, It just lost that creative, um, romantic feel. There's nothing like having a a sketch pad and a pencil in your hand and just letting something come to life, where when it moved to computer-aided drafting, everything became so cold and so calculated and so perfect, and it really lost the – it just really lost the romance and the warmth of it. It's really why uh what what attracted me to podcasting now, as I coach these podcasters, radio has become very calculated and very computerized. and the the art to it is almost taking a backseat to the science. And podcasting is this wide open, a range where you can go do whatever you want and try anything you'd like just to see if it works. And you can be creative and there's no rules and there's no shackles and nothing holding you back. You can just go throw it against the wall and see if anybody cares. And if they don't, nothing lost, you just start a new one.
0: That's true. That's a bit like me. I thought, well, I've got a book, I've got a message, I'm on a mission. So I just kind of started. But that's me. I'm quite feisty, Eric. And <laughs> people... I love
1: it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how can other people, you know, the gentlest souls amongst us, how can people find the courage to start their own podcasts? Well, that's the thing. So many people think
1: podcasting is this, this hard, mythical thing that only the pros can do. Podcasting is actually really easy to accomplish. If you can upload a video to Facebook, you can create a podcast. It's really not that difficult. There's some technical stuff that you need to set up um, at the very beginning to get launched. When you need to put your uh, when you need to put your RSS feed, I know acronyms sound kind of scary, but when you take that from your audio host and you put it into the podcatchers like Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Um, it, but there are plenty of tutorials that say, "Take this line right here, copy it, go paste it over here into Apple Podcasts, and you're good to go." That's really all it is. It's just like it's just like uploading or embedding a YouTube video to your Facebook page or something like that. It it couldn't be easier. And I think a lot of people fear the unknown. And uh, if they ju- if they're able to get a a nice USB mic which you can get fairly cheap uh, on, on Amazon or something like that. That plugs right into your computer. You can record on Zoom or GarageBand or Audacity, some free software you can get, and that's, that learning curve is really easy as well. If you can edit a Word document, you can edit an audio file in any of those. You save it and you upload it. It's really that easy. There's, it's not as difficult as people think.
0: So you spoke about learning curves. Do you sit there as your podcast guru, do you sit there and think, you know, or recognize the biggest mistake that new podcasters make?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the biggest mistake most podcasters make is that they believe their show is for everybody. Like who is your target listener? Oh, it's everybody. Well, it can't be everybody yeah. because if it's everybody, it's nobody. It's like, uh, it's like vanilla ice cream. I'm trying to please everybody. I don't want to offend anybody. Well, nobody's going into their favorite ice cream shop and saying, "Man, I can't wait to try the vanilla." <laughs> like it's <laughs> the that's the you know people want the crazy. Uh, you, you give me the the sea salt caramel chocolate fudge. I want to try that. You know, you got to be. You gotta be for somebody. You have to. You have to stand up and wave your freak flag and be for some particular individual with a particular interest. If you try to be for everybody, you're gonna be for nobody. You have to make people care. If I say rate the show on a one to five scale and people are all rating it a three, you lose because three means I could take it or leave it. Like I, you know, I I really don't care. You want. Some people to give you a five and some people to give you a one. The trick is to just have more fives than ones and you win you because you're making people care.
0: Ooh, you've really got me thinking there. I'm thinking, God, I'd hate
1: a one. <laughs> <laughs> one's hurt. One's yeah. hurt. You, just, you just have to learn to ignore them. Don't go read them. As long as you're <laughs> getting some, some email and some feedback that say, I love what you do or that story you told me really helped or uh you are so funny i can't miss an episode as long as you're getting some of that feedback you're doing great keep doing what you're doing if you think of all of the big radio hosts and talk hosts and tv hosts they're polarizing people either love them or hate them but yeah. they watch them regardless of which way you stand even the people that hate them still watch them so they can hate them even more like it's just the That's it's like the villain <laughs> It's like Darth Vader in Star Wars. You got to hate him, but people love him because they hate him so much.
0: (laughs) And do you think that is the biggest struggle that podcasters face? They're trying to people please everyone or is there another struggle?
1: Absolutely. That's the struggle. It's that imposter syndrome. It's that, oh, what if people don't like me? What if nobody listens? What if nobody comes? What if I mess up? What if I make a fool of myself? You know, everybody wants everybody to like them. The thing is, if you just get on your podcast and you're, you're real, you, you get on there and you be yourself, you're inquisitive and you have fun and you're able to laugh at yourself and you mess up a little bit, people see you as being authentic and being real and being just like them. That's how you build that trust factor and that friendship with your audience through the stories you tell and the ability to be real and be a real person.
0: See, I love that. And obviously you're here today, so you know I've got my own podcast. But I always think, oh, should I be a bit more crisp, a bit more, you know, well-behaved maybe? But, you know, I nurse for many, many years and it's just about rapport and it's telling the truth in the moment. You know, not telling one story 10 different ways, you know, just being there. And you'll know from like the guest shows that, that I laugh, I cry, sometimes I'm speechless. And I just think, am I doing it right? Because I'm not always laughing, I'm not always serious. It depends with who I'm engaging with, my Theme is positive changes, inspirational stories, but yeah, I always think, am I professional enough? Because I do get the giggles.
1: <laughs> well, if you think of the friends that you hang out with, they're not always funny, they're not always serious, they're they're a, uh, they're deep and complex, and that's what you want your friend to be. Who's the podcast host? You want to create that friendship with your listener, so they feel like they they know you. And, and like you and trust you. That's what a friendship is all about. And friendships come through your stories that you tell. You let people know what you value and what you enjoy and what you what you trust and what you believe in through the stories that you tell on your podcast. And then when people meet you a year and a half down the road, they go, ah, I feel like I've known you forever because I, you know, I listen to your show every week and all the story. And that one time, that thing you told about your dog when they went to the park and the thing, that was hilarious. And and, and but you've never met them, but they know so much about you because you've told all of these great stories on your podcast, and you've really created that friendship with them. Just being authentic and having the courage to uh, to relate those stories on your podcast will go a long way in uh, building your platform and and your personality and and who you are.
0: I love that, and I think I just had like a light bulb light bulb moment because where I thought, you know, I've done the book, I've really done the message, but it is, you know, like people hear my voice and I didn't like my voice. I think many podcasters probably don't, do they? I don't know. But I think loads of people don't really like their voice, but you know, I just like an authentic story. And if it helps one person, 10,000 people, you know, I'm a happy woman.
1: Well, the thing about your voice, nobody likes their own voice no. and it's all physiological. When you talk and you hear your voice in your head, uh your your the jaw bones and your skull vibrate from the from the sound of your voice and it makes your voice sound a little warmer it makes your voice sound a little deeper uh and it just makes your voice sound different when you listen back to your voice through a speaker through a, a pair of headphones or earbuds your are you're, you're the bones in your head aren't vibrating like they do when you talk. So your voice has a little different timbrance to it. It it sounds different because it's missing that vibration. And that's why we don't like our voice. We think that's not what I sound like. Well, to you, that's not (laughs) what you sound like. But people don't listen to your podcast because you have a great voice. They listen to your podcast because you have great content people think, oh, you know, I don't have a great studio. I don't have a really good mic. You know, my, my audio isn't great. And I, and I tell people, nobody says, man, I I can't miss an episode of that podcast because he has such great audio. (laughs) People say, I can't miss an episode of that podcast because he has such great content. So you're, Your audio isn't going to sound as good as the professionals. Your editing is not going to sound as good as the professionals. Like in the United States, National Public Radio is the biggest podcaster, um, arguably, in terms of audience reach and that sort of thing. And they have like a team of six or eight people working on each podcast they produce. They have, oh, wow. they have studios that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. They have a team that they pay salaries to to help create the podcasts and edit them and, and find their guests and make them sound great. You're doing it on a laptop out of your spare bedroom. There's no way you're going to outdo them. So don't try, people aren't expecting you to be that level. They're not expecting that quality. They're not expecting that professionalism. They're not expecting any of that. So don't even try to do that. They want you to be you. They want you to be authentic and real.
0: I think that would help so many people, I really do. Cause you know, people have, I think everyone's got a story to tell. I mean, these guest shows just blow me away. The messages and the people stepping forward is amazing but people could have their own podcast shows, you know, and tell their own stories and their own perspectives. And I love that. And I think that would really help people, you know, don't well, aim for perfectionism. The,
1: the one thing that's gonna separate your podcast from everybody else is your opinion, your view, your beliefs and your values. If you don't share yourself on your podcast, your podcast is going to be just like everybody else's podcast. So why would I listen to you when I can get it at 12 other places? The only thing I can get that's unique on your podcast that I cannot find anywhere else is you. So if you're not being you, there's no way you're going to win. There's only one thing on your show that the other guys can't copy, and that's you and your opinion. You're an expert on your opinion. You know more about your opinion than anybody else does. If you don't share that on your podcast, you're doing yourself and your audience a disservice.
0: That's brilliant. I really love that. And I really love doing like the guest shows. I say when I started, it was called season one, the solo shows. And I thought, oh, i would just sit there with my book and talk away for a few days, you know. But opportunities came, synchronicities, which I do love. And here we are on the guest shows. And I absolutely love it. But I do think, I'm going to ask you this, how do you turn a podcast into a business, like an income and things like that?
1: A podcast doesn't become the business. A podcast is the marketing tool for your business. So you need something else to generate revenue, whether that's uh, creating courses and selling those, uh, becoming a public speaker and using your podcast as a platform to demonstrate your ability and your authority in the space, Or you could become uh, an affiliate marketer where you're interviewing people on your show about the great things that they have and you have an affiliate relationship. So every time your listeners buy your guest's product, you get get some revenue from that. There are various ways that you can create revenue from your show, but you have to have other things to sell. Uh, A lot of people get into podcasting and believe they're going to treat it like radio and make a lot of money from sponsors and advertisers. People are coming to podcasting to get away from that on regular radio. They don't want all of the ads and they don't want all of the commercials. In order to make a lot of money through ads and sponsorships on your show, you have to have a really large audience. Most podcasts do not. Uh, studies show that the the mean number of listeners to a podcast is about 167. Mean is the middle. It's not average. You don't add them all up and divide by the number. Mean is you stack them all up, smallest to largest. The one that's right in the middle is the mean. That's 167 listeners. Now, 167 listeners won't attract any big advertiser. Even if you have 1,000 listeners, that's not going to attract big advertisers. You need 10 or 20,000 listeners to get any decent sort of money from your uh, from your sponsorships. Then you have a ceiling. There's only so many ads and sponsors you can put on your show, so there's a limit to the amount of money you can make through your show. On the other hand, if you're selling your coaching, if you're selling your products or services, if you're selling uh, affiliate products or services, there's unlimited revenue potential. If I'm selling somebody's digital course, I can sell 10, I can sell 10,000. It doesn't take me any more effort on my show to do either one. I'm still talking to the same audience and I'm still promoting the same products and services, but there's no ceiling to the amount of money I can make. So a lot of people come into it thinking there's only one way to uh, to make money with your podcast. And the way that they believe it to be done is not the right way.
0: That's brilliant. So, you have your podcast talent coach website, coaching umbrella. Why do you stand out? What's different about that? Because there's lots of podcast gurus, isn't there, out there? What do you do differently to help others?
1: Most of the podcast gurus are attacking it from a technical side. They are going to teach you how to set up your website, how to set up your feed, how to set up your audio, how to record it, how to use the software. Uh, It's very how to create a podcast. Once you have a podcast up and you say, all right, now what? That's where I come in. I'm using my 30 years of radio experience to help you take your message And refine that message and really turn it into something powerful on your show how do we define that one single target listener that we want to create this podcast for how do we create our content that makes it really engaging so our listeners take action and help us generate that revenue with our show how do we interview guests that really make it powerful for our listeners how do we attract our audience all of the other podcast experts will teach you how to launch and start a podcast, but that's only the beginning of it. What yeah. happens after the show's up and running, that's where I come in, and that's where I really help you, uh, really help you take your content and, sh- and transform your information into engaging entertainment so you can really create a powerful relationship with your audience and then leverage that relationship to make money from your podcast. It's not making money from your audience. It's truly helping your audience and being rewarded for that help.
0: Yeah, that is brilliant because it's so true. I mean, that's the way I learned that you did the technical side and how to launch and the launch parties. And then you're kind of on your own, aren't you? (laughs) Studies
1: show that most podcasts will go away after about seven episodes. Really? Because once they get seven episodes into it, they, they realize, okay, now what? I'm up and running. Like, what now what do I talk about? Now what do I do? Now where does this whole thing go? And you'll see podcasts just go away. They call it pod fading. They just fade away, <laughs> never to be heard from again. And that seven is that number because it, podcasting is a little bit of work. I mean, it's not like you go downstairs and you record for 30 minutes and you're done. You have to, uh, you have to publish it. You have to promote it. You have to build your audience the day that you launch your podcast, you, you don't have 10,000 people listening to your show. You have 10, and then you have to turn that 10 into 20, and then you have to turn that 20 into 200, and it, that's, what, that's what takes the work. Creating the podcast is only about 20% of the work. Promoting it and building the audience, that's the other 80% of the work, and that's what I help podcasters do.
0: That is brilliant. Brilliant. I still was sitting here thinking like, how have you gone from architecture to radio? And I love that. And you to- know, a
1: lot of people ask me that, like architecture and radio, like yeah. what in the world? <laughs> how does that happen? And I say, well, if you step back and you think about it, the two are actually very similar. I'm very, uh, most people are either left-brained or right-brained. I'm 50-50. I'm both analytical and creative at the same time. I love math and numbers, but I love art and and creation and and just creativity. And in both architecture and radio, I'm I'm given a set of parameters, and uh, it's a box, and I have to be creative within that set of parameters. I may be given, uh, in architecture... I may be given an assignment to, uh, to design a health center, uh, a gym, a workout facility. Uh, we have a lot that is uh, this big. We need a parking lot that's this big. Here are the functions that need to be within the building. Now go be creative. And I have to take all of those parameters and I have to be creative within that structure. Same thing happens in radio. You have, uh, you have 90 seconds you need to talk about these two things, and you need to be creative and entertaining when you do it. Go. So it's very, they're very similar in the way that they're structured and the way they bo- that both fields require me to use both sides of my brain to be both analytical and creative at the same time.
0: Now I get it. <laughs> you said you, you're very passionate about doing what you love. Is there any other message you have about why it is so important to create positive change?
1: Stop listening to so many other people. Life is too short to live somebody else's dream and to follow their path. Find what you love, believe in yourself, uh, ignore the haters. Stop reading the comments on the internet. be <laughs> who you want to be and have faith and trust in that and surround yourself with people who support that dream rather than try and tear it down.
0: That's brilliant. And do you have tools or techniques that you use to keep you on track for this successful career? Uh,
1: I use a lot of checklists. I have a lot of pieces of paper around. I still love writing. I still have that romance for pen and paper. And uh, so I use a lot of checklists just to make sure I'm getting things done and staying on track. And then about once a week, I step back and I say, am I really focusing on the important things that are gonna move the needle in my life or am I just doing busy work? Because I need to make sure that, um, that I'm, I'm taking the steps and achieving the tasks that are gonna move my life forward in the direction that I want it to go uh, so I can reach my goals in life. My daughter graduates high school this year. My son graduates in two years. And I realize that you know life is too short and I need to make the most of it while I can. And so once a week, I kind of step back and evaluate my my process and make sure I'm headed in the right direction.
0: That's fabulous. And so do you have an affirmation or a positive mantra that you use?
1: Um, The only only mantra I use is do what you love and love what you do. If you're not following your passion, um, I think you're doing yourself a true disservice And the other one that I use is control what you can control. There's so many outside influences on our life uh, and so many negative influences. My children, they get frustrated quite often about things other people do. And I just tell them, hey, you you can only control what you can control. Life is too short to worrying about what other people are doing or or what other people are doing to you. They only do to you if you allow them to. People can't, can't make you feel anything. Only you can decide whether or not you're going to feel that way. So control what you can control, and uh, and just enjoy living life.
0: That's great. And so, what's next for you? What's your next positive change in life?
1: My next positive change is to just help more people uh, launch, create, and enjoy podcasting. Um, I'm I, right now. I still work in radio. Uh, but I truly love and I have a passion for coaching people and helping them achieve their goals and really peeling back the onion of life and and taking away all of the things they can't control, figure out where they want to go and help them create a strategy to get there. Um, Over at Podcast podcasttalentcoach.com, I do help people launch podcasts, but I can do that in about four weeks. That's really just the foundation of things. My true passion is... Uh, helping you take that podcast and achieve great things with it, the things that you love and uh, all of your desires. So if you go to com slash launch, you'll see a, a checklist right there that will help you launch your podcast in 30 days. Like it's really not that difficult. But once you get it up, then I have other tools that will help you take that podcast and help you achieve your goals and your dreams and, and really have fun letting that creative side come out.
0: That's great. I think you're going to help lots of people. I mean, podcasting is very in, isn't it? It is. There's
1: a lot of people. There's now almost a million podcasts worldwide. Here's the interesting thing. A lot of people say there's a million podcasts worldwide. And you're like, wow. But when you really look at it, there's only about half a million active podcasts worldwide. The other half a million are, are dead. They've pod faded because people hit that seven mark or... 100, or they realize they don't have anything to talk about anymore, or they get bored doing it, or uh, you know, they realize their audience doesn't grow instantly and it's actually some work to get out and promote it. And so they just quit doing it. So, even though there are a million podcasts, because once your podcast is out there, it's out there like yeah. it's not like when you quit, it goes away, it's always out there. So, even though there are a million podcasts, there's only about 500,000 active podcasts. So it's, it's definitely a growing medium and it's a lot of fun and you get to do whatever you want. There aren't any rules, which is the best part about
0: <laughs> it. I love a bit of rebellion. <laughs> so how else can people find you, you out there on social media?
1: Um, yeah. Podcast Talent Coach is also on Facebook. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash podcast talent coach uh, and you'll find me there. Um, that's my primary social media platform. Um, I dabble in some of the others, but not enough for you to really connect with me. I'm on Facebook every day. You know, I might check LinkedIn once a week or something like that. So the best place to go is podcasttalentcoach.com. You can find all of my contact information there. You can find my helpful worksheets, uh, a lot of free resources there to to not only help you start a podcast, but actually help you create a, a unique podcast and something that you enjoy. Uh, don't create a podcast for somebody else, create it the way you want it done. And um, you can do that at podcasttalentcoach.com slash launch. And we can get you up and running in 30 days. It's really not that difficult. And it's a lot of fun.
0: Bless you. Thank you so much, Eric. It's a real food for thought for me, indeed, but for others as well. So thank you for sharing your positive change today. You
1: bet. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review if you would like to create your own positive changes you can buy positive changes a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFNight.com. if you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode come like and follow us over on facebook at shellyfknight life goes on as always i've been shellyfknight and you've been amazing.